she said that she's learned both in her personal life and in her public and in her public life is that her way of expressing remorse is with a like hugely verbose and emotional um long-winded apology and she's had to realize that a lot of people that's like disingenuous it's disingenuous it's insincere and it's actually just slightly making it about you like it's 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 unnecessary so it's weird that she has these moments of clarity and yet we'll we'll will still write and say something like this. I think it just comes back again to the lack of um, barriers. The way she conducts herself, and I think the reason why she makes uh, some people feel so uncomfortable is there's a claustrophobia about it. You know, the, the lighting yeah, of a yes. candle in yeah, her cavern. I, I totally love agree. you, Aurora. I hate you, Aurora. If I, if I was Aurora, I'd just think, oh my God, just back off. Yeah, just exactly. Say, just say you believe me and let's leave it I totally agree. And what's so strange about it as well, it's a journalist and I were messaging about this and said journalist found out that her PR is a crisis management PR that's the same as Johnny Depp's that GQ interview um, Hawthorne a kind of corporate I think crisis management yeah I mean more and more celebrities in the digital how age. can this be the advice of someone who is managing a crisis I cannot get my head around it maybe she's employed to deal with the aftermath not the maybe she's only a suffix not the prefix but she, I think that she's been in Advised. situ for a while so it's all these things that we're seeing Lena Dunham do that is coming that's a crisis that's management that's a crisis management absolutely mind-blowing maybe the crisis manager is on um work experience this is a tra- <laughs> this is a trainee scheme or maybe moving- she's on annual leave over the last couple of months <laughs> moving on from our lena dunham segment of this week it's a bit like baby shark isn't it uh what's in ye old mailbag this week in your mailbag <laughs> i'm i'm punching my hand in <laughs> punching you punched your hand in and what have you found lots of thoughts from listeners on the subject of emotional labor this is from olivia What comes to mind when envisioning the term emotional labour is the role often expected of women when resolving matters of the heart. I can't tell you the amount of times that I, as a woman, have been expected to or have felt required to be the resolver, the analyzer, the overthinker in romantic relationships. God, that's so true. I find breaking down the generalised walls of male emotions is a task reserved for women, communicating through difficulties, breakdowns and ups and differences of opinion. You name it, I've done it. Sure, a man will often come to the table once conversation is initiated, but I find that onus is often on the woman to initiate these discussions and do the feeling. Think, okay, but how does that make you feel? Why are you really upset about this? What would make you feel better about this? What can we do to make this better? Is this an experience exclusive to me? Based on the experience of the other women in my life, I think not. Does it have something to do with our patriarchal conditioning to be reasonable, amicable, or empathetic? Probably. Further, would it be somewhat alleviated if we, as a society, promoted a man's capability for vulnerability and removed stigma around emotional modern men? Hopefully. I think that's a very well-observed email. What have you been enjoying this week? I've been enjoying series two of The Marvellous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah, you love that. Which I totally love. Uh, For anyone not familiar, it's on Amazon Prime and it's a kind of period piece set in the late 50s about a kind of perfect Jewish housewife who lives on the Upper West Side of Manhattan and has everything until one day her husband comes home and tells her that he's leaving her for his secretary and she has to start again um, make a new life herself and she starts talking on stage about her difficulties and the pain she's been through and she gains 
momentum very quickly as a stand-up comedian, a New York stand-up comedian. It's so, so brilliant. If you're a fan of this period, of the clothes, of the music, my God, the soundtrack is so, so good. There's a lot of Blossom Deary played in the first two episodes, who I love. And I actually have to say, this series, I think the budget must have just tripled because, Panda, you would die for the interiors and the cinematography and the wardrobe. It's just... Okay, I'll give it a go. It's so beautiful. And they do lots of amazing location shootings in Paris and in the Catskills. It's just a perfect period piece. It's like watching... um, like a, a really high budget modern version of a Barbara Streisand musical. It's so warm and stylish and I just love it. Especially I'm going to go home and watch some episodes tonight because it's like a total hug um, of a programme. And actually this series is much more politicised and lot, looks at, a lot more at the at the kind of gender politics of the 50s um, and that kind of seeps into it, giving it a kind of more darker feel so I'm loving that is that when Mad Men was the 50s yeah kind of kind of turn, turn, turn compare with um, so Mad Men is that probably exactly the same time late 50s going into early 60s does it feel like the same time yes it's tonally very different but it feels in terms of wardrobe the way that women have to present